2: Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. This week, we're heading down the little interview side street we like to call Nightmare Alley. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are chatting with writer-director Brandon Christensen about his brand new, just-dropping, Superhost, which lands on Shutter September 2nd.
0: Today. It, today. Lands on, it lands on Shutter today, the day this podcast is coming September
2: out. September 2nd. I was just reminding people the current day's date. Man, you
0: know, it would be real convenient if we only always dropped podcasts on the day the movie came out. Because it's just like, it's about, it's out now. If you're hearing these words, it's available.
2: That would require a level of planning on our part that I'm just not comfortable with.
0: But as Kim mentioned, Superhost, from Brandon Christensen, writer-director of Stillborn and Z, uh, comes Superhost, a thrilling adventure tale of... <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't already seen it, it is about two influencers who review Airbnbs. They are staying at a new Airbnb to review for their their struggling YouTube channel. Uh, and the host is crazy
2: yeah it's a real fun creepy exploration into the kind of airbnb culture that's popped up over like you know like the last five years and we've had a few really fun takes on it in the horror world but there's just not enough rental content and Superhost takes that and provides a creep-esque spin if you're a fan of creep the netflix movies they are that kind of unsettling
0: I don't know about you, I did not know the term super host before this movie was announced. You didn't? No. Oh. (laughs) Not at all.
2: Yeah, super host is, for for the, super host is, uh, there's like hosts and super hosts. Super hosts are basically like, they get a special badge on Airbnb because they get a lot of positive reviews and they don't murder people. Like, this super host is guaranteed (laughs) maybe not to murder you.
0: (laughs) It's a good badge to have. I'm going to start looking out for that when I try and find Airbnbs to stay at.
2: Our farm stay has is a super host. That's good, <laughs> and we're definitely not murdered.
0: Superhost actually had its world premiere at the 2021 Popcorn Frights Festival, which really only happened like three weeks ago, I think, and it is now available on Shutter. Um, so things things have moved fast on Superhost, and even on top of that, they filmed it last October in the middle of COVID. Um, that's partly why you'll see such a limited cast of people. Um, but as as it turns out. Only maybe six people on set at any given time during the entire production of this movie. Which is
2: pretty insane. It's nuts. Yeah, it was really cool.
0: So if you're listening to this the day that the podcast drops, there's a pretty good chance you haven't seen Superhost yet. You don't need to worry about any of that if you still want to listen to this week's episode. It's just a quick little chat with writer-director Brandon Christensen about the filming of it, where the idea came from, what it was like to shoot during COVID. So there are no real spoilers, nothing that's going to ruin the movie for you. So feel free to either save this until after you've watched it or, or as a quick little teaser before you go home to watch it tonight.
2: Yeah, and if you are saving it for this weekend, we are doing a Fiend Club watch party of Superhost on Friday, Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern at nofspodcast.com slash Club. The Fiend Club is our fun little space. It's six bucks a month. You get access to watch parties like Fridays, and you get a cool little membership card, uh, stickers, temporary tattoo, a whole bunch of fun stuff there. That is at nofspodcast.com slash Club, and our Superhost watch party is on Friday uh tomorrow if you're listening to this on the day this drops
0: september 3rd
2: september the third
0: but let's just get into it we're gonna kick you over to the trailer and then we're gonna jump right into our interview with writer director brandon christensen uh all right rebecca uh we're gonna start off with a friendly introduction like a hi my name is rebecca and i'm a super host
2: Do I look at you or at the camera? What's up guys? My name is Teddy. I'm Claire, and welcome to another episode of Superhost. We are staying in the most gorgeous home up in the mountains. So quiet here.
0: This superhost, who's the name Betty Lou52, has a nearly spotless record. It's actually Rebecca. Oh, so you're neither Betty nor Lou. <laughs>
2: what's up guys
0: what's up guys what's up guys
2: you think you come out this far to get away from all those crazy people but then you get to this house and you realize that the host
0: might be even crazier than those people you left behind
2: well i don't want to get in the way of your trip wouldn't want to get a bad review <laughs> that is the craziest shit i've ever seen we got to get more
1: of her okay
0: Our roll camera
1: Hi, my name is Rebecca.
2: This is what people want to see. And I am a super host! Complete lunatics. <laughs> this woman, Rebecca, she said that she was the host of this place. But she's... We have one final surprise
0: for you that I think you're going to love. If anyone's out there watching, please, please, us. please, please,
1: please, stop! Think of all the hits you'll get.
2: Look at her; she's harmless.
0: So, tell us all about Superhost, man. When did when did you uh, when did you get the idea for this? Because we know you filmed it during COVID. Uh,
1: yeah, so I got into creep later than a lot of people did. I think I saw it on Netflix a couple of years ago, and I just kind of fell in love with the idea of this character that is awful and terrible and torturing this guy, but he's so damn likable. <laughs> That I was just like, yeah, that, that idea of just a killer that you love kind of stuck in my head. And when I was doing um, the festival circuit for Z, I was staying in a hotel or an Airbnb, sorry, uh, in Toronto. And uh, I went to the bathroom when I got there and the toilet didn't flush. I was just like, oh, crap, like, I don't know what to do. So I wrote the guy and he's like, oh, no, I'll send someone out and I'll, I'll do this. So the security guard came in, he checked it. Uh, he's like, I don't know what to do. So we got the the owner of the Airbnb to come out and he came with a plunger and he plunged it for me. And, and you know, we're having this small talk and it, I'm in his space and he's just like, <laughs> it was just completely awkward. And I was just like, what a weird thing that we do as a society right now we rent out our you know our spaces to these total strangers and I was just like well what if this guy that came in was just not who he said he was and I sort of took that idea and blended it with the kind of creep idea and just sort of started to snowball with that you know how who who's going to go to an Airbnb why does it matter if the host is bad and it just sort of led to the social media aspect of exploitation and uh, kind of settled on where we were yeah, I'm. I'm really happy to hear
0: that you had a like a creepy Airbnb situation. Like it's it's awkward more more than <laughs> right. creepy, but something about Airbnb is really weirds me out a lot more than hotels
1: do. Totally. I mean, you got the front desk guy at a hotel or whatever, but there's just a the personal element because you're in a specific you know this person's space and you know they do so much automation now like you get in and everything's automated so when that breakdown breaks down too it's like well you know you've got to have that interaction it's just it's just all awkward and it's so strange that we do it
2: Yeah. And I'm sure as a filmmaker, because you travel a lot, like with film festivals and stuff, you're probably in an Airbnb for like extended periods of time. And like, that's just ripe for coming up with like, what's the worst possible situation that could happen to me right now in this stranger's (laughs) house?
1: (laughs) I think, yeah, I think that's how horror always works. You're just like, what's the worst case scenario in this pretty benign instance that I'm in? And that's kind of where you mine those ideas, I think.
2: I love that it was a real-life flooded toilet, though. That's pretty terrifying.
1: I, know, I, I even made the same stupid joke. I was watching him do it, and I'm like, I'm just glad it was number one. And, and he's just, you know, he's over the toilet plunging, and I'm just like, God, why did I say that? This is so stupid.
2: I better write this down.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, how do I get that in the film? And I got it in, so that's good. Oh, man, that's probably something I would have kept to
0: myself. Like uh, This is, like, one of my... Oh, man, if I made... If I wrote down every humiliating thing that I said, right? Oh,
1: boy,
0: I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Like you're just like I'm just gonna release this into
2: the world.
1: Yeah, yeah a- another gotta... character
2: said it though. It's fine.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Just for I sure. didn't say it. They said it. They're an idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and so when did the idea? Well, I guess, I guess maybe you mentioned this already, but like you do a great job of of making these social media influencer characters uh, the main focus did you have to rewatch a bunch of YouTuber stuff or is that just like
1: part of our culture now where you don't even have to to think about it twice? I mean, when I think of YouTubers, I kind of think of the Mr. Beasts and like the MKBHDs and just like, you know, I, it's more, I'm more of tech focused when I watch YouTube. So it's a lot of really smooth things like that. And I was trying to, when when I was telling people, I'm like, yeah, it's a travel vlog thing. They'd be like, well, you know, like, Travel vlogs and MKBHD are totally different. Like their styles, everything's different. I was like, okay, well, maybe we do a blend of it, and just it's sort of it's sort of like an amalgamation. Like it has the Mr. Beast pop ups on the screen where it's like white text filling the screen, um, and it was just kind of taking these different kind of YouTubers that I've watched and blending them all together. But I mean, at the end of the day, the big thing was just their on-screen personality is not who they are off-screen especially in the case of Sarah Canning's character. And then it was a very similar thing with Rebecca. It was just like, who you are to them is not who you are going to be. You know, you're just putting on a face. Everybody's just putting on a face. And like, no one's really being who they actually are, except for when they're kind of alone. So that was kind of like this whole thing that we were playing with.
2: It's also fun as like a filmmaking format too, because it almost becomes like found footage in moments, but with your, your where your characters are at their most artificial, which is really fun. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it was that was interesting, too. I I thought it was really I've never really seen it where you cut from found footage, you know, back and forth like this. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's pretty sparing at the beginning, but at the end, you're kind of like fully back and forth on the two mediums. And and I thought that was really unique. So it, it was kind of fun. It's definitely really freeing when you're shooting that way, because, you know, traditionally when I'm shooting, it's very like locked down dollies tripods things like that but having like the ability to just be free flowing and stuff its just a very fast pace to work because you can just like oh point it here you don't have to like okay we got to redo that the blocking wasn't right with the camera and there's all these technical things um so it was really fun to kind of play with those two mediums for sure
0: and what was it like shooting during COVID? i bet that had to be uh bet that was as hard as it was for everybody else
1: Yeah, so there was a couple of benefits. One was that we are very small production, um, more so because of COVID, but we were also very isolated. So it's not like we were dealing with too much day to day. Like once we were all out there, we were pretty much just sort of on our own and on an island. Uh, yeah, so we had a set medic or a COVID safety officer who had to kind of be there before everyone and leave after everyone and check us in, check our temperatures, do all that stuff. Uh, I mean, the two hardest things for me with the COVID was one, Trying to direct wearing a mask is really challenging because so much of, you know, it's not just your eyes that you're expressing direction with. You have to, you know, it's really kind of having that conversation and stuff like that. So that was definitely a challenge. We were also pretty high, like in a high elevation. So when uh, you're wearing the mask and you're talking so much, you definitely start to feel weak. But uh, and and just dealing with SAG, like SAG, uh, the union was uh, they they had a lot of the safety stuff in place. And since we were so small, I don't think they really. You know, like it was just hard to get in touch with them and make sure we we had a plan. Like we had to give them this big detailed document showing how each set would operate with uh, fans and things like that. And it was just hard to get their approvals until like kind of the last minute. So it was hard to really lock in cast. But, you know, fortunately, it all it was all fine. Um, The shoot itself was pretty fast, but, you know, it's just it is what it is when you're in there and you're directing and you're making a movie. It's just like such a whirlwind Kim, you just did it on that on that feature that's that's coming out soon. So you know it's just kinda like chaos and there's always little things you're dealing with. So other than having a smaller crew than than normal and just wearing a mask, it was, you know, the day to day was pretty similar.
2: Yeah, we did non-union, so we kind of got to like, you know, pretty much do kind of just like the best we could. And uh yeah. it was during like the biggest lockdown we had in um, like the Toronto area and Film was still allowed to go. It was like minimum of or maximum of like 50 people, but nobody really knew that uh, in terms of law enforcement. So the neighbors called the cops mm-hmm. on us and like the, the police came and John, our poor COVID safety officer was yeah. like showing them all <laughs> of our like temperature sheets and that everyone was wearing like visors and masks and stuff. Right. But it was a little scary. I was like, please don't shut down my first ever set.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it was the first, cause we had to do testing. Um, the actor said had to do three tests a week and then wow. the crew had to do once a week. And the first test we did was like super scary. Cause it's like, if someone has it, we got to shut down and we're yeah. such a low budget film that, you know, all of a sudden the movie's just canceled probably at that. So when we got the clear on that first day, because everyone just shuttling going home and then going way up, uh, you know, out to the mountains, it was, it, it felt like we were okay. We're, we're pretty much quarantining together for this thing. Not many people, you know, there wasn't much time to do anything other than shoot. So, yeah, it was just that first test was terrifying.
0: Yeah, I bet. I I saw some of the behind scenes stuff that you were shooting, which was super interesting. But I think to be perfectly honest, I think you had less people on your set than we did for our like teeny little thing.
1: (laughs) I I mean, if you watch the credits, our main unit was six people, including myself or uh, excluding myself and Curtis Harder. Um, We had a DP, a first uh, camera, first assistant camera, uh, key grip, gaffer, makeup and sound. That was it one of the days we had an extra makeup girl the big forest scene we had a girl help there cuz we had four actors and it was just too much but uh yeah it was it was the smallest shoot that i've done in a long time and everybody's wearing multiple hats and it was it was because of the covid thing really like we 15 ish percent of our budget went towards covid stuff so wow. You know, our first AD was the first off the chopping block, having an extra person in the, you know, the grip or electrical apartment that was that was gone. So, you know, everybody kind of had to step up and and just sort of, um, you know, kill themselves to do this movie. And and You know, it's pretty amazing what we pulled off, I think.
2: Yeah, it's also less variables, though, in terms of testing, like the less people is like the less fingers crossing you have to do every (laughs) time every time you're due for a test
1: yeah for sure so that was the that was the hard part but um you know it was fun I, I'd worked with all these people for years on commercials and things like that um so it was nice to bring them into the narrative fold and you know kind of spend a longer time doing a format thing that just like a 30 second thought
0: yeah and, and when did you uh I, I I guess you maybe answered that right there that you worked with her in commercial stuff but Grace Phipps who who's your villain um is amazing.
1: I don't think she, she hasn't, yeah. hasn't done like other villain work, right? I don't think so. So we had been talking to a number of actors. We went through just people weren't available. And um, my friend Josh Ethier sent me up with uh, Sarah McCormick, who was in their movie VFW, and she read the script. She thought it was great, but she was doing a film that was shooting in Michigan at the same time. So I was just like, oh, it's a bummer. But she said, you should really look into my friend, Grace Gracie Gillum. And I was just like, okay, cool. So I looked her up on Instagram and she's just got these big vibrant eyes and it was just like, oh, she's really interesting. And we set up a call and we talked and I found out that she was in some Disney stuff. And that was really, that was kind of like a, a light bulb moment where it's like, you know, if you're, you're a Disney girl, you're going to be doing these interviews and all this press where you're putting on that face and you're being the best possible version of yourself. And I was just like, that's Rebecca. She's being the best possible version of who she thinks these people want to see. And uh, so we just need to channel that. And I think she totally understood it immediately. And she, when she came, it was just like, it was funny because she didn't come till the second week of production. The first week was just Teddy and Claire, kind of scary movie, whatever, uh, really kind of nothing scenes. And then when she came, the whole dynamic changed because everyone was starting to realize like, oh, wow, that's what this movie is. Like, it's not this two people hiding in an Airbnb. It's like, this girl is the movie, you know? And so it was really fun to kind of watch her To just tap into this thing and just really have fun with it because yeah she kind of came out of nowhere but I mean she is the movie
2: that's so cool though to hear that like she did the the Disney thing because you can totally now that you've said it you can totally see like the Disney princess vibe but there's something so sinister underneath that it's it's utterly terrifying to watch her like it's she's fucking wonderful
1: Yeah, she just turns it on, just like, click, it's on, and then click, it's off, and it's just, you know, it's that kind of fakeness that the YouTubers are doing, she's doing, nobody's who they say they are, it's just like a total, everyone's lying in this film, and it's it was really funny to watch her do it.
0: Yeah, it's it's probably, like, one of the most honest depictions of what social media actually is, which is <laughs> terrifying.
1: Right, for sure. Man, we're all liars, it sucks.
0: Yeah, there's there's no getting away from it. Um, <laughs> So... Uh, with, without spoiling too much there's a knife wound in this movie that is so fucking good <laughs> like um is is that all was was any of that practical or was that was that done in post the
1: the elements were practical i had um i had three versions of the same knife i had a dulled one i had a kind of a cast like a i can't remember what it was called it was, we'll just call it a rubber and then there was one where it was just a hilt and a blade and when we did it like that it's it it turned out fine it's just one of those things where i had plans to do more with it uh-huh. i just um that day was particularly tough cuz the sun sets really early when you're when it's that late you know it was like late october and um we just we had roughly 20 minutes to do that that wow. gag cuz the scene that was the biggest scene i've ever directed we had about 6 total hours to do it and there's just so much coverage of the you know there's so much movement in the scene and talking and moving and blah 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 and so the blood stuff because it's the blood stuff it has to happen at the end because we only have so many versions of their wardrobe so it's just like sun's going down i'm in there i'm holding knife pieces on her face as a reference <laughs> i'm like okay here you know uh do this like move your eyes around so i can play with your eyes and do all these things and and like I had, there's a test, I have this footage of me doing the thing with the knife and it looks so good. And I'm just holding the blade and holding the the hilt against my neck. And it, and it looks so awesome. I don't even want to share it because it looks so much better than what we did just because <laughs> it, I, I just, there was just no time. It was just like, okay, this is good enough. We got to go, you know, get the assets, go, go, go. And then I kind of like worked it in post and made it work. But um, it's just one of those things that it, 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 like that was, I was like, this is going to be the big jaw open moment. And it has to hit right, and so you know you put it together, and it's like ah, uh, it's almost there, it's really close. I'm happy with it, and it's so fast, it's like 15 frames or something like that. So you don't really get to see much; it just happens, and then you're reacting. So yeah, it's fine. But yeah, it was just it was just stressful to be like <laughs> ah, blood, poor blood, do do all this stuff, and there's nobody really there to help. It's just uh, you know me and the makeup girl just like holding doing knife and (laughs) doing all these things so i love
2: seeing how dainty you're you're holding things you're like (laughs) and this is you have to hold the knife
1: (laughs) well yeah i mean it's awkward because i yeah we'd have this blade and i would use it for a reference and so i'd be like barb i'm gonna hold this against your stomach right now as a reference And I'm just like holding a knife, still sharp, just like against her stomach. I'm like, okay, we got it. And just like watching them, like, what is he doing? <laughs> you know, ultimately I'm doing all the VFX. So I know, I know what I have to do to get it, but it might not translate that well. and I'm like, ah, oh, just let me hold this knife against your face for a minute. I need to see what it looks like in this lighting. And uh, yeah, you, you, you it, it, sound like a madman. Yeah,
2: that's kind of a great benefit, though, of of wor- working kind of with the with the limited time and and knowing mm-hmm. that you have to get the shot is that you are doing your own VFX. You have your own. You're your own saving grace, like back pocket. Like, okay, at least I can. I can finesse this and post.
1: Right. I mean, it sucks. Cause you're like, I, I can, and I know I can, but that sucks because I don't, I wish I didn't have to. Yeah. It's so like, I wish I could just be like, ah, someone else will fix it <laughs> and I just go off and, you know, go for a walk or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do kind of like doing all the VFX cause I, you know, I wrote it, shot it, edited it and did all the VFX. So I, it's a very intimate process for me where, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, if something sucks, it's totally my fault. Um, <laughs> And so it's just, you know, there are moments that I cringe through and it is what it is. But for the most part, I'm happy and, you know, I'm proud of it. I mean, that's that's probably
0: the same for everybody. But hey, as somebody who hasn't seen, you know, what the knife was, what the knife one was going to look like. I think it's fucking. Yeah.
2: Amazing, and dude. I mean, it I'll, looks I'll send it to you. <laughs> it looks seamless, like to to the viewer's eye. So nobody knows. Nobody yeah. saw. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it's fast enough where it doesn't matter. Yeah, just and, don't pause.
0: <laughs> and as as frustrating as it is for everybody in in your position, I I have really kind of enjoyed watching every film set kind of go back to indie filmmaking. Like even mm-hmm. even big studio movies, it's just like, well, congrats, you're doing this with your friends again like because a, of COVID. Right. Yeah, because of COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's yeah, such... it's weird. I I do look forward to having like a full crew and having some of those safety nets in place because um, it's tough. It's just like, it's our, you know, when you're directing a feature, it's such an emotional whirlwind where you're just like, you know, you're kind of putting yourself out there you know, trying to come up with ways to explain how a character feels and things like that, telling the camera department how to shoot it and stuff. It's just so much, uh, it's so exhausting mentally that when you're also physically doing a lot of stuff too, it just totally, you know, double takes a toll on you. So it's nice to have those, those people that can, that can kind of fill in and do some of those jobs especially also having a mask on all day. I didn't I didn't realize,
0: like, how out of breath I was doing nothing until the cops totally. showed up, and I was, like, <laughs> just a little bit nervous. I was like, oh, fuck, I can't breathe. I got two masks right. and a face shield on. And there's also just, yeah. like, the
2: weird being able to hear your own breath the whole time, so you're like, am I breathing really loud in this room? Is this getting in the audio?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, you're just, like, in your own little bubble, and I, I wish that. You know, I, I, I like to be very vocal and just sort of – I'm very expressive with my hands and my eyes and everything, so – Uh, It just kind of, it's, it's a definitely a handicap.
0: So you meant, you mentioned like when you were dealing with the sag stuff, you were talking about like having fans set up. Um, Did you have to have that going while you were doing shots? Like, was that something you had to deal with in post for the sound?
1: Not during takes. No, it was just during, you know, when you had to have like a air humidifier thing going in the room, anytime you were inside and like you had to have one box fan near the entrance and one at a window or something like that. So it's just kind of, you know, when you don't have the, the manpower, someone's got to run over, turn them on, turn them off. It's just like an extra thing that you're just like, ah, I gotta, you know, we're running out of time here. So you're kind of, it's just, everything's kind of an extra battle, I guess. Are a lot of those restrictions, not restrictions, but like guidelines still in place? Or is it sort of eased up a little bit? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't had the opportunity to, to find out. i I don't know. I I would imagine probably a little bit. Uh, They probably loosened a a tiny bit because that was, you know, we shot in October and I think that that's when things were pretty locked down. Yeah. I I would have to look into that, but it was, uh, you know, it's like you had to give them an overhead diagram and show where the fans would be in every scene through the script. It was, you know, it was pretty intense. Just an extra element of pre-production. Yeah.
0: And did you, did you go down to popcorn frights uh, for the, for the premiere?
1: I did, yeah. Oh, that fun. was awesome because, you know, they called me a week in advance and they're just like, hey, you know, you know, the COVID thing is happening here right now. Like, uh, we understand if you don't want to come, but, you know, some of the other filmmakers have dropped out. And I was like, this is literally the only festival I get to do. Like, we <laughs> just finished it. We got into popcorn and it comes out three weeks later. So I was like, I'm coming because this is the only chance I'm going to have to see with an audience. And they're like, okay, okay, just, you know, that's great. And so I went and, and uh, you know, it was definitely – you could tell it was very hard on Igor and Mark and just trying to get everything in place because they were dealing with a, you know, a a corporate theater. They were dealing with just like a a crowd that's kind of split on how comfortable they are in a theater setting. And so they just, you know, they had to juggle so many things to make it work, but you know, it was an awesome screening. It was so much fun. Most of my other films are so dark and moody that, (laughs) Uh, this one's a lot lighter and, you know, has a little bit more light, uh, just humor to it and everything. So it was fun to sort of get that audience response. Um, and I'm glad I was able to do it, but because that, that was that was really fun.
0: I'm so glad to hear that because we've, we've talked to so many filmmakers who've premiered stuff at, you know, like festivals like all year and last year who like their film is now out and in theaters and
1: they still haven't seen it with an audience. Like that seems like yeah. something that a lot of people missed out on. That's a super bummer because that's I mean, that's why you do it every time you like the festival circuits the most fun just being able to talk to people and just sort of get that response immediately. It's not just words like in a tweet or something like that. It's actually, you're seeing the reactions. And when you have a film like this that has kind of like a roller coaster of emotions, I think it's just a lot of fun to be able to see that firsthand.
2: And it's also just fun to see the faces of like the people you make these movies for, because you're right, like Twitter, like you you kind of lose like the community aspect and horror Mm -hmm. really is. It's the same people who watched your first movie, your second movie that are now watching your third movie. And like, right, that's really fun to like get the chance to interact with those people.
0: Totally. So how do you what do your what do your
1: kids think about uh, making movies now that they've done a few shorts with you at home? (laughs) um they're still not totally interested uh (laughs) my son actually we were walking to school this morning and he he said that he was supposed to be in a a play like a little play for their class in front of their class and he said luckily i I was absent for the play i'm assuming he was at a doctor's appointment or something and i was like oh no you like you've been you know you've been seen by thousands of people on youtube (laughs) um that you know having a class of 30 kids is nothing and he's just like yeah i know but i'm scared and he's he's in that shy nine ten year old days right now. The younger one, I think would love it. He <laughs> was, uh, he wants to perform and be seen, I think. Um, but I, I don't know, I'd like to, I'd like to get them in a little bit more if I could, cause it is really fun to work with them and just sort of, they can see what I do. And and maybe they'll take some interest in it. Maybe not. I don't know. But, how did uh, you
2: How did you deal with the spookier sides of things, like around them? Like, did you try to like uh, edit around, like, so that they weren't experiencing like kind of the spooky stuff as you were recording?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, th- those took several days to shoot. Like, I would I would shoot a few shots, and then they would just be totally wiped. They'd be like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll pick it up tomorrow. And I'd be editing it, and, and I would be able to show them and when I had like that first one where it has the little jump scare when he turns and looks at his brother um I showed it to him and he was just like I don't like this (laughs) and I was just like okay I can't show him but as long as he's just like performing and he's just you know there's such a technical aspect of filmmaking even when you're doing horror like it removes the the scariness it's the music and the editing and all Mm -hmm. that stuff that that kind of makes it I think he's fine because uh yeah he doesn't he doesn't do well with scary right now
2: that's funny I don't like this (laughs)
1: I love, I love that you've worked with, you know, like Mike Michael
0: Ironside, Stephen McCaddy, Barbara Crampton in this new movie, but like the hardest crew was your kids. Definitely, for
2: the, sure. The, the, har- the harshest critics. <laughs>
0: yeah. So are are you working on anything right now? Because
1: I imagine you're still uh, probably
0: stuck at home with the, the Delta variant looming over everybody.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm, uh, there's a chance that I'm going to be going uh, to Serbia to shoot a film in cool. a couple Ooh. months um it's kind of we're just waiting we're I can't say too much about what's going on it's a script that my brother and I wrote uh you you've met my brother at Overlook uh, two years ago yeah so we've we've gotten really hard uh not hard we've gotten into writing really heavily together and we've got a bunch of projects that we're not sure which will go first but Um, yeah, I, am I'm excited about it. I just, the whole Serbia thing is a new experience for me. I'm either doing it at home in Canada or I'm doing it at home here. So, you know, traveling across the world to shoot for a couple months, it's pretty daunting, at least like mentally, but, uh, yeah, I'm hope I think it'll happen. Um, hopefully I'll know more soon. I'm just, we're just sort of waiting on the budget to be approved and everything, but I'll definitely have more on that soon. I'm sure.
2: That's exciting.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. And so uh, I probably
0: should have warned you that I was going to ask this when we when we started the Zoom call, but i like to ask everybody, if you could pair two movies at the drive-in, what would you play? If I could pair two movies at the drive-in?
1: Any oh, two
2: movies. Any
0: two movies. Could be like two movies you just want to see at the big screen or two movies you think would pair really well with Superhost. It's up to you.
1: Oh, man. And the drive-in's tough, too, because you have no, there's no like communal thing where <laughs> you're able to see reactions. So, you know, kind of like a big jumpy fright fest like The Conjuring or something wouldn't wouldn't be as fun um, I mean, you I, mean could, I think
2: you could stipulate that it's convertibles only <laughs>
1: oh, okay okay that's that's cool now I think the original Halloween would be really fun to pair with the yeah. new one just because they Ooh. do um you know it is kind of a sequel to it so I think um you you're having two different you know you're having a 40-year gap in in just sort of how films are made and you know even though they're in the same genre they're done totally different like there's a lot more modern things in the new ones and the old one was just such a classic that was kind of creating all the tropes and things that we see today so i think seeing those back to back would be really fun because there is such a contrast even though they're a continuing story um so yeah i think that'd be fun yeah, I don't think we've watched them both back-to-back yet. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah,
2: I can't believe we haven't done that. We did see the new Halloween at the drive-in, though, which was a pretty cool experience.
1: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, see, it works.
0: <laughs> well, thank, thank you again for taking the time to talk to us, uh, Brandon. Uh, really looking forward to seeing everybody's reactions to Superhost online.
1: Yeah, for sure. Me, too. It's going to be fun.
0: Superhost is available now on Shutter. Uh, head over there, check out the movie, and let us know what you thought of it over on Twitter at Podcast and in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at NOFSPodcast.com slash Discord.
2: And if you haven't seen Superhost yet, join us Friday, September 3rd. If you're listening to this when it drops, we are doing a watch party at the Fiend Club, our exclusive little club for members only. That is at NOFSPodcast.com slash Fiend Club.
0: But until next time, I'm John.
2: I'm Kim. Stay creepy.
0: It appears you
2: made it out alive.
0: But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.
2: What's spring like in Park City,
0: Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide-open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis, Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opre Ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com.